0: You are listening to the three and D pod. I am your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore timberfake underscore. You can find the show at three and D pod. Of course, we are part of the grizzly bear blues network of podcast. You can find GBB at Twitter on SBN grizzlies and online at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're checking out our other podcasts on the network, uh, subscribing wherever you listen, starting five, the core four and GBB live. Joining me, as always, is none other than Mr. Benjamin P. Hogan. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing all right, man. I'm a little, a uh, little happy and surprised that we're actually talking about basketball, and it's not a recap of the season.
0: Yeah, uh, we we have a lot to cover because the last time that we were on an episode, it was a joint episode with Parker and the Core Four previewing the San Antonio play-in. And uh, shame on us for not also previewing a game against Golden State and the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so here we are, and it's since we've taught the Grizzlies are 3-0. and um, Let's just jump into it. San Antonio, uh, wh- what was your takeaway from the Spurs' uh, play-in matchup?
1: Um, it, it was nice to see uh, more fans at the game. It, I think that was that was fun to see, and I think that the fans – Got a little bit of everything with the Grizzlies. You know, that first quarter was just pretty much anything you could have asked for to, as a start. I mean, you were they were knocking down shots. They were dunking. I mean, they just were – it was all Grizzlies imposing their will. Then San Antonio got back in the game. You kind of expected them to make a run. I think it was a 17-0 run that they went on to jump back into the game. And then you also got the, uh, you know, down to the wire, which is what we've seen a lot lately with Grizzly games. You know, it's a little different than what we've seen most of the season, which it was a blowout one way or the other. But um, it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. You know, it was, it, even though it's called the play-in, it felt like a playoff. I mean, it's a winner, winner, go home. That that's what that game was, and it, that was fun to watch. And it had that feeling, and it, it's good to see something like that back in Memphis. You know, after uh, being away from Memphis for about four years.
0: Yeah, and you know, to be honest. The, the Golden State game and this Utah game uh, the other night, it I have forgotten much of the detail of the San Antonio game because <laughs> I've had so much anxiety in <laughs> the other two games. It's like I think San Antonio is the one where you, you're looking at it, you're like, all right, w- we should have this. They're, they're struggling. They're without Derek White. They've gotten rid of LaMarcus Aldridge, who kills us. Um, we know what DB does to DeMar DeRozan. And it just felt like this one is one they should win. You know, there's always the variable of them being the young team, struggling at home, those kind of things. So you weren't like 100% confident. Like you weren't betting the house, you know, on on the Grizzlies because you just never know with them. Uh, but they they survived the 9-10 game, which sent them on the road to San Francisco to face the Warriors, who uh, just each one out against them, uh, you know, less than a week prior to claim that eight seed and the right to – to only have to win one game to advance, to, to face the, the Utah jazz. And nobody gave Memphis a shot. Uh, no. I mean, Kevin O'Connor on, on the mismatch for Chris Vernon said that Steph was going to break our heart. And if some, <laughs> some reason we pulled it off, we were going to get swept by the jazz. Um, you know, you saw the picture of one person on ESPN picked the Grizzlies to get past that game. And, um, I think she was on a recent Grizzlies podcast, you know, with that, and so, Golden State comes and that game comes and it, the avalanche happens at the end of the first quarter and the Grizzlies hang on. And when you see that happen, you're like, okay, this yeah. is this is different than the game last week. Uh, this is a different Grizzlies team, it, it felt like, in that game. And Jaron still looks rough. And Xavier Tillman, man, like – Professor X, X do to give it to you. Like, whatever. <laughs> he was huge in that game. Um, what what are, you, what are your thoughts on, like, Tillman's place when it comes to like, – let's say – let's feel like this. Last season, Brandon Clark, we would just jump down people's throat to try to trade him because he was an untouchable part of the core going forward. You know, Sean Coleman, every Bradley Bill trade he threw out there included Brandon Clark, and we all gave him crap. Well, now here we are. And because of Tillman, Clark is getting these uh, DNP CDs. He's healthy. He's just not playing. He's getting the Justice Winslow treatment. Do you think Tillman has supplanted him, or should it be a matchup uh, thing going forward? Because the Golden State game seemed like the perfect kind of matchup for, for Tillman.
1: Um, I think right now he – I think it should be a matchup, but right now I think it's supplanted him. His minutes early on in that San Antonio game were not really good. And I was surprised because – the two wins in the regular season in San Antonio, uh, Tillman started. Valanchunas was out for one reason or another. And Tillman started both those games. He played well against them. And he didn't do well against San Antonio, but it's Golden State. He put in some really good minutes when they needed him most. Valanchunas picked up some early fouls. You know, you can, you can question if they were, you know, legit. But uh, it is what it is. And Tillman came in, and he did what he had to do. He hit that big three in uh, overtime as well. So that was, that was huge. And I want to go back real quick. Uh, I, I forgot at the end of which quarter, but there was one in which uh, Steph Curry threw up like a quarter court shot. And I was just – I had flashbacks. You knew bats. it was going
0: in. You knew That's it was PTSD going
1: in. right there. Yes. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, no, this is it. That's it. That's game. Go ahead and turn it off. But, no, I think Tillman right now, I think he's earned that spot. And if you remember, like early on in the season when we had the, uh, quote, keeper rankings for Grizzly players, I think I had Tillman higher than anybody else uh, in grizzly bear blues is a guy that should be on this roster. And it's because like, we've seen Jaron at the five and it hasn't been pretty when he's been at the five. I mean, it was, it was ugly against, in game one against Utah, they're able to survive it. But I think that you may need to look at playing Tillman a little bit more when Jonas isn't in the game.
0: Yeah. It, I had somebody text me last night. Um, he it's my cousin he plays for tampa bay rays and i I don't even know where they're at they're at home or on the road but he's watching the game he said they're in
1: toronto that
0: that sounds right um and he said jaron is brutal at the five like he can't get a rebound he's just not able and i said well theoretically your team is supposed to pitch in as a whole um but when you've got you know guards like dylan brooks and grayson allen that really aren't you know rebounding that well it's almost like if you're going to run jaron at the five you need john Conchar on the wing because john's going to go in and get six or seven rebounds or you need a justice winslow that's going to go in there and get a rebound the lineups that they're running him and here's what's nuts is is tillman's introducing brand new lineups in a freaking do or die winner take all game that doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> right. make any sense like that accumulation time is over like we we can't be doing this uh but in regards to tillman Good job patting yourself on the back about your your highest. Hey, everybody else
1: does it. Everybody else does it, so why can't I?
0: Oh, man. I think I honestly think I had him kind of low just because I hadn't seen enough out of him yet. But, man, I'd run through a wall for that dude. Like, he –
1: I had Brandon Clark one if you want to go ahead and throw that back at me as well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tillman, he's not as athletic as Draymond, I don't think. But I I could see him having a Draymond type impact on the defensive end of the ball, um, with an ability to spread the floor a little bit more. He's not gonna make the he's not gonna be the playmaker that Draymond um, is for the Warriors, but he just gives the Grizzlies something at the five backup five that I don't know, man. It's just it's it's intangible, really. It's just he, he's always making the right rotations on defense. Um, he crashes the glass. He's he's switchable. I mean, he's not as switchable as Brandon Clark, but Brandon Clark is couldn't guard paper right now. Um, so I, I, Tillman, I, I mean, I, I think this series with Utah, this is a series where you would want Gorgie Jane. Um, yeah, and, and his ability to to rebound and bang with Rudy and Derek Favors and do all that. I think you can't have Tillman minutes against Rudy; they're not going to be good. Um, no, but. Going forward, I think he's definitely made a case to be a part of this franchise for a for a long time, and I think maybe he's made Brandon expendable. Maybe, you know, if the right package comes along, BC can go, because if you're going to run small ball, um, you're going to run Kyle at the backup four in those minutes, because Kyle has looked very good in the playoffs um, when he's been at that stretch four position. Um, so... Anything you want to throw in there with the with the Warriors game? Actually, no. I got it. Tell me how you felt when Jenkins did not challenge the Jordan Poole foul.
1: Um, I I was at a friend's house. We traveled to Nashville, and I'm just yelling at the TV, like, what are you doing? My wife's telling me, Ben, calm down, because, you know, we're at a guest house. And my friend's a Grizzly fan as well. He, uh, So he wasn't that, you know, mad at me or anything. But they're just – this is – this is one of those games. This is the thing that could cost him. Like this season could be over. And I also just was yelling at Draymond Green the whole game. But yeah, there was no reason for Taylor Jenkins to not challenge that. You have two timeouts. You have the lead. This is a three point play. You're putting him at the line. You're stopping the clock. I mean, there's so many reasons why, even if it's sort of 50 50 or you're thinking it's 50 50, you still challenge that. There's no reason why you
0: don't challenge it. Yeah, I my phone blew up. Like I was getting text messages left or right when, when this was happening. And for like in my house, the baby's already asleep at this point. My wife had fallen asleep before halftime at this game. So I get up out of the bed because I made a deal with her that I'd watch the first half in the bed. But like when things got tight and tough, like I, I needed to be able to stand <laughs> up and move around. She's like, you're such a child. You act like you're 12 years old watching these games. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. And so I'm, I'm in the living room by myself. And it was it took everything in me not to scream and wake up my entire house. Um, because it's, it's one thing if you have one timeout left. And you don't want to waste that timeout uh, on something that you aren't sure you're going to get reversed your way. But when you have two timeouts left at that junction in the game, and then it is amplified by the fact that you don't use one of those two timeouts, uh, either to of drop of a well, play he, at the end of the game, like
1: he didn't use either of them. No, and it
0: it's one of those things where the Grizzlies had lost that game. The narrative around Taylor Jenkins going to the offseason would have been absolutely terrible, and it would not have been reflective of the job that he had done this season. But that would have been such a sour taste in people's mouths, especially when the national commentators are like, You got to challenge that. What is he doing? Yeah, it's inexplicable, no excuse, just all this stuff. And his excuse was weak or we weren't sure. You don't have to be 100% sure every time. If it's going to get over like you he's got to learn the feel for when is the right time to use one because it it was either the Utah game or the Golden State game. I think it was Golden State against Draymond. They they challenged a call that if you look at it it was pretty clear that Draymond fouled but they're like, "Hey, we'll take a chance of them flipping this because I don't need this yep. timeout later, you know, whatever." He, he's got to figure out the challenge, challenge thing. Um, I even tweeted out, as, as hard f- as these, these, these guys fought for them to possibly lose this game because of a coaching decision, that would have been tough to swallow for the team, I think. Um, so, yeah. luckily, the team bailed him out and um, sent Steph Curry, MVP candidate at home, Draymond Green, Defensive Player of the Year candidate at home, and welcome to having to play against a defensive player of the year candidate and two sixth man of the year candidates, which that makes no sense. Which, as of yeah. this podcast, um, Jordan Clarkson has officially been named the sixth man of the year, which I guess makes Joe Ingles the seventh
1: man of the year. I guess so. I don't. That's that's incredible. That's that shows depth, but also it kind of just there's only one sixth man by <laughs> <That laughs> definition. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, (laughs) but it is, I guess it is what it is real quick on that Taylor Jenkins thing. uh, I also feel like a lot of people have given him, you know, some people have cut him slack on the rotations while other people have been on him about some of the rotations, you know, it's the whole, it's the front office pulling the strings on that or not. That decision would have pretty much wiped out people giving him slack for the, uh, some of the lineup decisions and, blaming it on the front office because he's the coach at the end of the day and he made that call. That's his call. There's nothing – you can't blame it on anybody else, even though he kind of tried to. I, I looked at my, my assistants back there and, you know, I mean, that was kind of like, what? He kind of tried to brush it off as, you know, nobody else on the bench thought we should have, you know, reviewed it. But it is what it is. And luckily, like you said, they moved on, taking on Utah now. And they're up one game to nothing,
0: surprisingly. Maybe. But, well, all right, which which broadcast did you watch? Did you watch Bally or did you watch TNT?
1: I did watch TNT.
0: So, did you know that Donovan Mitchell didn't play last night?
1: Um, <laughs> when Ernie Johnson said that pregame, I'm like, what, what? Hold it up. You know, it's – he's like, Donovan Mitchell returning after – And Charles Barkley's like, I don't think he's playing. (laughs) Thank you, Charles. Somebody's paying attention around here.
0: Well, Charles clearly isn't paying attention because he flat out said, oh, they don't don't need him to beat the Grizzlies. They just need him for the second round. Well,
1: that's true. That's true. And then, yeah, throughout the game, it was all about – they showed Diamond Mitchell a lot.
0: Oh, my gosh. And it was every time something happened, well, the Grizzlies were on this run – And the Jazz are without uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is in foul trouble and Mike Conley is in foul trouble. How about the Grizzlies are just doing good stuff? Like, they're playing good basketball. Like, they had a a good stretch of great basketball. Like, you could see it in that game. There were moments where the Grizzlies were in such a zone and rhythm. It didn't matter who they were playing. They were going to be beating the crap out of them in those moments. I'm going to bring up a player real quick. This is going to go all the way back to San Antonio. Grayson Allen. How bad did he look? And then gets into the Golden State game and hits two massive three pointers. It Makes Jenkins look like a genius because I I'm on Grayson Island and I've been loving it all year long. But when, <laughs> Jen, when Jenkins started overtime with Grayson Island, I was like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, it was the right yeah. call to go with, with Tillman over Jaron, but to to go with Grayson Island, I was like, "Man, this is this is not a good idea." And then boom, especially after degrees, the.
1: Especially after the non-challenger, like okay, he's trying to get fired here. Like, <laughs> pack it up, Taylor Jenkins. And then so, uh, played a lot down the stretch against Utah as well. And in, instead of Jaron,
0: yeah, and so and that
1: shows his trust.
0: Grayson only had five points in the Utah game, but it felt like a really loud five points. He hit that yeah. three in the corner, and then he he drove in on Rudy Gobert, uh, which he's had practice doing. You know, yep. he used to play for Utah. And, I mean, here's the question for you. D'Anthony Melton still looks terrible. Is he going to is he gonna find the bench permanently for the rest of the series and Grayson take all the minutes?
1: I, I don't think so. I think D'Anthony Melton's still going to play. Um, I know two months ago it was like he's earned these minutes, but he's been pretty bad since that. Uh, he's been pretty bad for a while now. But – I think he's still going to run with uh, D'Anthony, especially uh, Donovan Mitchell returning. You're probably going to need uh, some of the defense. I mean, I, Grayson's good on defense as well, but I just think you can switch those guys off. I don't think D'Anthony's out. And it seems like that uh, Jenkins really wants to run with 10-man rotations as much as possible um, if he can. I mean, he, he he's doing what he – can to get as many guys in still and i figured it'd be shortened by now but i mean the only guys that have been taken out of the rotation it feels like uh are brandon clark and uh justice winslow i mean Conchar's not in there but you know he you can argue that he really wasn't part of a rotation except when there are injuries for the most of the season so for the most part i mean he did cut it a little bit but i think that uh, melton's still going to get minutes maybe if maybe fewer minutes but i don't think he's going to be cut completely out of the rotation
0: yeah and this This first game against Utah, I guess I'm all right with the 10-man rotation because you were limited on your rest. Um, You know, I think it would be a a better idea with two days rest now uh, to try to shorten your rotation. But, you know, going back to Tillman, I feel like this is uh, a team where I don't know what you do because here's what I I would suggest to, to the coaching staff. Every second that Gobert is on the floor, Valanciunas has to be on the floor. When when Gobert comes off for whatever reason, um, you know if, if say Gobert is in the foul trouble and and minutes is, are are light, then you leave Valanciunas in to take advantage of the second unit. But if if Gobert is playing heavy minutes, Valanciunas has to play those minutes. When Gobert comes out, Valanciunas comes out, and I think you go with with Clark um, in this series. Um, I, I just don't know that Tillman's. Um, skill set is one that matches up well here. And you know what's gonna happen is Wednesday night, Tillman's gonna have phenomenal <laughs> minutes and make me look like like an idiot. Um but I, I with Melton, I'm with you. I, I don't see that they could take him out permanently because I don't think that Grayson Allen can do a very good job of keeping up with Jordan Clarkson. And that's where you would ultimately, you know, land Melton. Um, I, I like that Jenkins staggered Brooks' minutes to take away Clarkson last game, but now that Mitchell is going to be back, that's where the focus is going to be. And I want to talk about that for a second. People think that Mitchell is going to come back and it's going to be some, you know, miracle return. that's going to save the Jazz. The dude's been out for a long time. He is yeah. going to be rusty with his shot, and he is a volume kind of guy. I, I don't – I'm not convinced – like the situation where we were just bringing Jaron back after a long absence that we struggled, our team did not look good. Trying to reorient him into the lineup. The Jats were rolling without him. They had their rhythm. They had the chemistry. And then you got some guys going to come in and, and demand the ball and need the ball and be a volume shooter. At, and at times an inefficient volume shooter. Um, you know, we, he's one of like three players in the NBA this season that has taken more shots in a game than Dylan Brooks did when he took that 28 and shot a worse percentage than Dylan Brooks. And you know if you shoot a worse percentage than Dylan Brooks in a volume game, it's not a good game for you. And Mitchell's on that list. And so I, I think the combination of him being rusty and out of rhythm, and then Dylan being the one that is up in his grill all night long, I could see the Grizzlies going and taking game two in Utah also.
1: Now, I think it could benefit the Grizzlies. I haven't done the research. I probably should look into this. But um, I think the w- one guy that's going to see fewer shots is the guy that hurt the Grizzlies uh, the most in the second half, and that's Bogdanovich. He, he set a career high in points um, with Mitchell on the shelf. He's been, he's been scoring a lot more. He's been knocking down shots, and I think he's going to lose some shots to uh, Mitchell's return. And that benefits the Grizzlies because that dude was on fire in the second half. And when he's hitting, like, I don't know. And there were some time they were getting switches and jaw was on him and it, it wasn't good. And the Grizzlies can't let that happen. But, you know, if Donovan Mitchell's taking his shots, I, I'm fine with that, honestly, especially in the first game back for Donovan Mitchell.
0: Yeah, because honestly, Donovan Mitchell doesn't scare me like some other stars scare me because he is somebody that has to fill it up to put up the point total. Can he do it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When he finds it, but when's the last time a star player has found it on Dylan? And Paris
1: LeBert.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but this is this is playoff. You know, Dylan. It, it feels like Dylan's at a different level right now, um, mindset wise. And I just don't see Dylan allowing Donovan Mitchell to go off. Now, what does scare me is Jordan Clarkson is not going to give up his shots in favor of Donovan Mitchell. He is still going to get his. I don't see the Jazz shooting as bad as they did. We caught breaks in this in Game One, you know. Yeah, George Niang miss clanking like three or four shots. Clarkson missing the ones that you just feel like are gonna go in. Um, I mean, Conley was really the only one that shot well in the first half. Uh, Bogey, you know, went off in the second. I, I just don't think the team that leads the NBA in three point shooting is gonna have two bad games three-point shooting in a row against a team that struggles to defend the three-point line. Um, So for me, it's when Dylan's, you know, expending all his energy on Donovan Mitchell and he can't do it to Jordan Clarkson. That's the matchup that I'm most concerned about going into this next game.
1: Yeah. I mean that you hit the nail on the head is like Utah's not going to shoot as bad as they did from distance. I mean, there was, I was surprised Grizzlies took advantage, which is great. You know, that would, that would have been the heartbreaker right there is if Utah shoots like that and the Grizzlies end up dropping the game, but it's just, I don't know. I'm watching this Milwaukee Miami game and Milwaukee came out on fire and I'm afraid that Utah's going to do that. One of these games maybe maybe more than one because they, they have the capability to do it, but uh, I don't know. Like their whole bench scares me as well. You know, it's not one of those the bench comes in and you, the Grizzlies have the advantage. It's one of the few teams in which I feel like the Grizzlies, when their bench is on, that they don't necessarily have an advantage on.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm I'm not as scared against like uh, Niang or Royce O'Neal, um, Derek Favors. Like those, those are the matchups that you know. I, I, who cares? I think we got the guys that even I'm not sure they struggle a little bit, can can handle those guys. It is it is the Jordan Clarkson and the Joe Ingles um, that puts their bench up there. Um, I mean, our bench struggled. I think they only had 21 points uh, on the game. Uh, and Desmond Bain looked really good. Tyus looked okay. Grayson had the you know the two big shots that, when he had them. But our bench can't perform like that consistently in the series because the jazz bench will outplay them uh like they did. Yep. And it'll, it'll cost us. Our starters just played so well. All five of them were, uh, not all five, four of the five. Jaron was bad, um un- unplayable <laughs> in the first half. um But Valentunas was every bit of what we needed him to be. Kyle Anderson was phenomenal. Um Dylan Brooks, you know, we saw the the stats and numbers for him, uh, franchise record for debut in points. Um, he, I mean, I said in my report card this morning, he went Supernova Dylan in the third quarter. Uh, I mean, that dude, that bucket was – a beach ball could fit in it for him And in that point, and then he went and sat down and came out and tried to play hero ball again. And <laughs> I, about, I about lost my mind, but I was like, All right, honestly. I, I mean, I had to sit there and tell myself, we're getting our butts kicked in this game if Dylan's not doing what Dylan's doing. So if he comes out there and he checks after the rest, and I think he's earned that. Um, But let let me ask you, when we were down 14 early and we were struggling to score, how do you think that game was going to go at that point?
1: I thought it was going to continue to go downhill. Like that's just how it felt was I thought the Grizzlies, you know, they came out, uh, took the lead early in the first quarter and then Utah, Climb back in, and then they just took a big lead, and I kind of felt like, well, you know, Utah's going to impose their will, and they're just going to, you know, keep doing what they're doing. And uh, Grizzlies aren't making their shots, and we've seen this uh, movie play out before, and it usually doesn't end out end up well. But sure enough, Grizzlies showed that they're resilient. They showed the uh, they can handle it when they come down, uh, when they get down, and uh, it kind of felt like that. Once they did make that run, Utah was the one team that was pressing. Utah looked like the young team. They were making so many mistakes, turned the ball over a lot, missing wide-open shots, just making so many mistakes that you don't see them make that often. And it just looked like that they were the ones without playoff experience, whereas the Grizzlies, all you heard was, oh, combined, they only have 112 games of playoff experience on their roster and this and that, and it's like they don't care. That's 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 basically what it comes down to. They don't care. They're gonna so, punch you in the mouth. They're gonna keep punching you in the mouth.
0: I I think of it like this. It feels like Mike Conley is the only true battle-tested player on that team. Yeah. Um, because I'm not counting a bubble playoff as as playoff experience. That's that's a different animal.
1: Um. Gobert's been in some series. Clarkson's been in some series, I believe. Yeah, Clarkson's been in some series, but. It, I mean, it, Ingles. It
0: just, yeah, oh, it just when I is it not the most unintimidating starting lineup you've ever seen in your freaking life? Last night, <laughs> like Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles, and Royce O'Neill is that the other one that started for yeah, him? Yeah,
1: Royce O'Neill. Yeah, he made like the first or second shot of the game and then didn't make any.
0: After that. So I'm looking at this lineup. I'm like, how in the heck is a team like this the one seed? I mean, granted, Donovan Mitchell is is you know, Donovan Mitchell, but like I'm looking at this at this lineup, I'm like, I'm not intimidated by this. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna roll with my dudes and who we got. Um I I don't know, like I'm I just have this weird feeling that Mitchell is going to struggle in game two. Um, and he's going to take away from what Utah's been doing. Um, And I'm not going to call it that Memphis is going to win. I I would say whatever they are – whatever the spread is, is going to have them as an underdog, and it could even go up because Mitchell's coming back, and Vegas is going to see that. I'm taking Memphis on the spread in a heartbeat um, on Wednesday. But like you said – They're a one seed for a reason, Um, and there's going to be that game where they should just beat the crap out of the Grizzlies. It's just – I know Eric talks about it all the time. In in an 82-game season, you got five games that on that night you were just going to win no matter what, and then you had five games that night that you were going to lose no matter what happened. And I just feel like that's coming. There's just going to be one of those games that everything's going to fall for them, just like that, that Golden State game uh, that they beat us for the eight seed, every single loose ball went to Golden State. Like yeah. it just seems like every bounce went like they had a magnet in their hand. The ball went right to them. Um, there's going to be one of those games where where it happens. I think when it happens is going to be important. Is it you know game two uh, where it doesn't really hurt that much? That is one one because you still have the home court advantage, or is it? game three and they steal home court advantage back you know I, I think the timing of that kind of game is going to be really important um let me ask you this is jaren going to figure it out
1: uh, <laughs> i don't think so um i don't either i think the grizzlies need to advance to the next round if we're going to see jaren figure it out because he's spending too much time around on the perimeter. He's taking too many threes. He's not getting down and banging Which I mean, I understand like, he, that's always been a problem with rebounding, but when he's playing the five, he needs to be closer to the basket. He's be playing closer to the basket. It doesn't help anything or anybody. If he's hanging around the three point line, the whole time he's playing the five when he's on offense, it just doesn't. And the Grizzlies are, they're paying for it right now. And I don't know why, or why this decision is being made. But it is what it is, I guess, right now. But eventually, Taylor Jenkins is going to have to realize that playing Jaron at the five is not going to win this series for you.
0: You know, for a a coaching staff that emphasized data accumulation this season, they hate stats. (laughs) 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 The the numbers prove that Jaron at the five is not working. And it's definitely not gonna work when we're going go go bears at the five. Um, I mean, I, I had people texting me like, don't they know that you know Jaron's not good at the five? I'm like, look, man, like for some reason they think this is gonna work. I mean, think about poor Nate Chester, wrote a whole article about how Jaron's gonna be the X Factor as a <laughs> as a stretch five, and game one didn't go his way.
1: Um, no. he looks like Bargnani.
0: <laughs> dude, did you see that somebody somebody on Twitter? It's the play where he made the block and then went down the floor and hit a three somebody on twitter goes Barnyani esque
1: <laughs> that's never gonna die
0: oh that's man die. no they should never let it die um, no what, what's going through your mind as you watch mike conley hit shot after shot after
1: shot It's tough to be upset, I mean, (laughs) be honest with you. It's like, you know, we've seen it before, and, you know, it also makes me think of, like, man, he had a rough year last year because he wasn't knocking down anything. Like, Utah, they they benched him. He's coming off the bench, and, you know, I'm happy for him that he's turned around, and it's like, you know, if the Grizzlies got eliminated, I guess Utah would be kind of the team that I'd be going for out of the Western Conference. It's unfortunate that the two teams got to play now, which it is what it is, but still – I hope I hope Mike Conley does well, but I hope he doesn't do well enough to knock the Grizzlies out. I mean, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's almost like in a way you'd feel bad if the Grizzlies ended Mike Conley's chance at a ring. <laughs> like we we all <laughs> yeah, want oh, Mike to get one, but at the same time like we want the Grizzlies to keep going because think about this, what if Dallas upsets the Clippers? And the Grizzlies are facing Dallas. To get to the Western Conference Finals, I like the Grizzlies' chances in this in a series against Dallas.
1: Yeah, I do too.
0: Could you imagine I mean, the Western Conference Finals in Jaws' first season?
1: That'd be that'd be incredible. I mean that would, that would that would be that would be something. You know, we talked about how this team needs. You know, this year just kind of like a, a growing year, data accumulation, this and that. Now one up one nothing on the one seed. It's, it's like. Why not just, just keep going. You know, I mean, the only way for this team to grow even more is by keep advancing, just keep going. Yeah. and John ja does not look like a second year player. No, and He took over that fourth quarter uh, for the Grizzlies. And I mean, yeah, Dylan's the reason that they were up by a lot, but John's the reason they won in the fourth. Um, I mean, there was a point, I, I don't know how many possessions in a row. I mean, the reason the jazz got into it, like, I went back and watched it again today. And I'm sitting there like, how did Utah get back into it? Because it didn't feel like they made a run. But it was the Grizzlies were trading twos for threes. I had a couple empty possessions. And Utah had no empty possessions. And John would go and make the big bucket when they needed it.
0: Yeah, I think I remember saying to myself at some point last night that – um, we can't keep trading two for threes, so or they're going to find their way back in this because it was down to within 10 when that when that started happening um, and they kept inching it down by hitting threes and we i mean jock kept answering and if he wasn't answering yeah. we were done um yeah and i love all the people that are going after the rudy gobert stands on twitter saying Oh, the Grizzlies won't have a chance because they rely on floaters and getting to the rim, and Rudy Gobert's there. there. He's going to stop all that. And we wish John Morant would try his crafty stuff. Morant <laughs> killed him at the rim last night. And he had that one where he, like, got sideways and, like, glided through <laughs> two people yeah. and, like, scooped it. I was just sitting there like,
1: how did he do that? And Gobert can't handle Jonas. Like, Jonas went straight at him from the get-go, and Rudy couldn't do anything. And there was even, you know, after, I think it was after Gobert picked up his first foul. The very next play, he did the same thing. And they didn't call it. Like, he was shoving Jonas. And I mean, I know big guys are going to battle down low, and I know they're going to be physical and everything like that. But you can tell that Rudy Gobert gets frustrated by Jonas. And it was, it, it was kind of, it reminded me of like Jonas early on in the season because he would get frustrated when he had big guys to play against. And, you know, he didn't do well against them, but he kind of, he, he matured this year, and now he's the one that's causing problems for, for Rudy Gobert.
0: And, look, Chris Vernon has called Gobert's bluff as a defender, and he is he has been adamant that Gobert is not a good one-on-one defender, and I'm with him. If you go at Gobert, he ain't doing nothing. He, he is a incredible help defender. But when the Grizzlies are a team that shoots a lot of floaters, and Gobert wants to help off of Valanciunas to go defend that floater. And we're, we're putting them over Gobert's extended arm, and then Valanchunas is there for an offensive putback. Like, it's not a good recipe um, for, no. for Utah. The only issue will be the Grizzlies' three-point shooting. Can they keep up on the games that the Jazz? Because the Jazz, like we said, are not going to do that again. They're going to knock down their threes, especially at home. Um, can the Grizzlies – survive a three-point barrage um, and not get stuck trading two for three. You want to get your shot. You want to get into your offense. Um, but it, it's got to – I don't know how I mean, they're going to be able to hang.
1: They can, but will they is another question. We've seen them have games in which they're just knocking down everything. But Dan Anthony Melton's in a, like, two-month slump. Uh, Jaron Jackson not knocking down any of the threes he's taken. I don't. That's something that you may have to, if you're trying to keep up with the threes, you may have to just take Jaron out of the game because, you know, if they're giving other guys the green light, he's going to take it. And, you know, hit that transition three, but he, he just hasn't been good from three point, and he's been taking a lot. And the Grizzlies have been winning, winning despite that. Yeah. So
0: we know how Twitter is and how it's just overreaction central. I don't know yeah. what your timeline looks like, but my timeline saw two things <laughs> that were complete and total overreactions. The first one, it's time to get all, get rid of Jaren. It, <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like the kid has missed a year. He's forced into high pressure situation right now. He doesn't have his legs under him. He clearly doesn't have his rhythm yet. He's probably got adrenaline just pumping through his veins in these big-time games, he's 21 years old. Chill out. Okay, overreaction two, and I saw this one a lot. Dylan Brooks is going to be an all-star next year. I, I just need you to pump the brakes. Was he phenomenal last night? Absolutely. But there is zero chance. I, I'll tell you this. I'll say it right here on this podcast. If Dylan Brooks is an all-star next year, I will get a Dylan Brooks tattoo. And I will <laughs> – I, I, will, I will stick to that word. I will get a Dylan Brooks tattoo if he makes an all-star team next year. Because it's just – It's going to be like
1: sunglasses with uh, Dylan or something like that. You know, I, something I'll, – I'll let the
0: crowd pick it, figure it out. I'll let Parker and D- Connor pick D- it. How about that?
1: DB D- Island. Yeah. With a palm tree. Right. <laughs> It's, it's, it's contextual.
0: First of all, think about all the guards that are in the Western Conference. Like,
1: oh yeah, no, there's a reason Conley just made his first All Star game this year. It's always been loaded. It's always loaded. And Russell Westbrook even went east. You know, he got rid of one. You get James Harden. Yeah, he got rid of James Harden too. Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> and it took it took somebody getting hurt for Conley getting included. On top of that. Yeah. So, he's not making it over Devin Booker. He's not making it over Damian Lillard. He's not making it over Luca. He's not going to make it over Donovan Mitchell. Um, He's not going to make it over Brandon Ingram. He's not going to make it over Ja next year, I don't think, either. So, like –
1: Yeah, Chris Paul, depending on what he does, you know, he's always there.
0: Shea Gilders-Alexander could be an all-star next year. Um, Anthony Edwards could be a freaking all-star next year, the way that he ended the season. Like – it, it's insane. And it, we just pump the brakes. Celebrate that he's doing good. And some of them, I'm like, okay, they're just being sarcastic, and, and I can recognize that. But some of them truly deep down believe that Dylan Brooks – like, I, I need to know what, what Parker's putting in the Kool-Aid over on DB <laughs> Island because some of these people <laughs> are all in.
1: Those are both overreactions, yes. Uh, Jer- I agree with you 100% on the Jaron stuff. Uh, I mean th- no one has I guess I don't know maybe the Justice Winslow left a sour taste in people's mouths and they just assume like well Justin Winslow, Justice Winslow was a bust let's get rid of him Jaron Jackson's a bust let's get rid of him so we can just build around John Dillon I mean what what do you know you, Jaron Jackson's going to be fine he is pressing he is like he's just putting too much pressure on himself. I think at times he's just, you know, he's trying to find the game. He's fine. I don't, I don't think there's any, I'm not worried about it. I think that there's sometimes this year, this series in which Taylor Jenkins may need to pull him and not give him the green light, but there's a difference between cutting his playing time in a series in which he's obviously not up to speed and trading one of your franchise cornerstones because he's having a few bad games after missing a year of action.
0: Yeah, and, and for all the criticism that Jenkins has gotten, um, some fair on his rotations, I, I'm very glad to see that he's not closing with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, now, if Jaron goes out you know, Wednesday night and earns it and you know, plays well, then yeah, close with him. But the last two games, he is, did, did not belong on the floor. Um, and thank goodness Valanciunas didn't foul out, um, before yeah. Gobert did because that would have been um, insane. They both had
1: five at the same time, and yeah. I was worried it's like it's gonna get out first because whoever be doesn't a, get out, the, other, the one's other one's gonna take over.
0: Yeah, the other team's gonna lose. Who, whichever one lost their person first was gonna lose that game. I, I fully believe that, but let, let's let's talk about this real quick on, on a lighter note. How about Gobert's flop on the baseline? Which, Which was already out <laughs> of the game.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that was a wrestling move right there. That was like Brooke Lopez before a Bucks game, like you know, they're, when they're wrestling. Like that was that was ridiculous. I mean, I, I guess I know he's doing what he can to try and help the team out or whatever, but like, just go back to the locker room. You're done. Like, get out. I, I, that's something that should he should be fined. Yes, he should or something. Something – they need to make an example out of that. Like, you can't be doing this. It's just ridiculous. You've already found out you're still trying to do stuff in the game. I mean, he's, he's always up to something, I guess. You know, between last year with the touching of the phones, you know, he thought it was funny. I guess, you know, Then last, he's always doing something. He's extra.
0: So, there's a, a uh, Twitter account. as The name of it is, did Jonas Valanciunas play well? And then they, they just post every game and they've got a decent following and they posted a picture and it was Gobert and Valanciunas together. And it was some saying something that Valenciunas was the Moderna, Moderna uh, vax, vaccine um, to <laughs> Gobert's COVID. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Um, it, it, it's got similar vibes to the Aaron Baines cult following on, on Twitter and I feel like as uh president of the JV hive, I need access to this Twitter account, but, uh, I got beat to it. Speaking of hives and islands, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to eat a little bit of crow on Dylan works. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I am not ready to seek real estate on the Island just yet. Um, Maybe I'm, I'm willing to step down as public enemy, enemy number one, as I was named the other day by Parker. Um, and maybe I can come, you know, run out of Airbnb and, and see what's going on on the island and, and visit for vacation. because Right now it's probably pretty lit. Um, but as Joe Molinax, the captain of GBB, said, the time is coming where DB is going to be DB, and he's going to have a terrible offensive game taking dumb shots. And I've just got to get to the point where I don't have to point those out every time they happen.
1: <laughs> so you're, you're, uh, you're, you're opening yourself up a little more to uh, the possibility that Dylan Brooks is uh, a part of the Grizzlies' future.
0: Uh, I am beginning to open up, yes. Um, if, if last night is an indication of what he could be, I'm, I'm, I want that Dylan Brooks. Um, but I, I just don't want the guy that takes just idiotic shots, which he started out the, the game. He took some step back threes and that kind of stuff. And I'm just, every time he does it, my wife, she gets tired of it. I'm like, Dylan, that's not your shot. Like I'm, I'm saying it to the TV. Like he's going to hear me. <laughs> I'm like, that's not your shot. But like, if he's, if he's catching shoot Dylan, if he's attacked the rim Dylan, and then he's given everything he has on defense. A la Tony Allen, I'll I'll live with that. But I can't live with um, giving up thirty to the other team star and then taking thirty shots on the other end.
1: Yeah, I mean I agree with you. And I I said that I thought he'd be better off the bench, and he's proven that he definitely is a starter for this Grizzlies team. Whether it's in the two or the three, wherever they need him, he is. They need him on the court as much as possible. It's better when he's playing like that him on the core as much as possible.
0: Oh, no doubt. And um, I'm eating a lot of crow with Kyle Anderson as well. Um, I've I've tried to trade him on the trade machine for two years, and <laughs> to be honest, the Grizzlies wouldn't be where they were or where they are without right. him. Um, it this team going forward in this series, they need Kyle, Valanciunas, and Dylan to be consistent. Give them the same thing every night, and then the rest. The rest of the game is going to be based on how good is Ja Morant and how good is the bench. If, if both Ja and the bench are struggling, we're going to lose no matter what those other three do. If Ja is going great like he was uh, the other night and the bench is struggling, we can survive. If the bench is going great but Ja is struggling, we can survive. But it, it comes down to Morant and the bench. And if one of those three, Brooks, Anderson, or Valanciunas is having a bad game, we're really in trouble. We've got to have the same thing out of them every night. Those are the guys that you count on to be, and I, I can't believe I'm putting Dylan Brooks in a consistent conversation, but defensively he has to be consistent. Um, and then Kyle Anderson doing what he does. I, I really think the Grizzlies can at least push this to six. Um, and at this point, I would not be surprised if they and, – and honestly, when we were going into this, I would – I preferred the eight seed over the seven seed because – I'm more scared of Phoenix and Chris Paul and Devin Booker than I am the Utah Jazz. I know they're the best record, I know, but they're a system team. And we've seen system teams like the Bucks and the, you know, the Boone stuff struggle yeah. to win in the playoffs. And I, until Utah proves it, I'm not that scared of them. Um, and I, I can no. see a route where they get to the next round. And if they're facing freaking Dallas in the next round, because Luca does something crazy against the Clippers, I could see a scenario where the Grizzlies are looking at uh, Phoenix or, you know, you, uh, Portland in the freaking uh, Western Conference Finals, which would be insane.
1: Hey, I got I to gotta say, the Lakers are still playing, right?
0: I'm not worried about the Lakers at all.
1: I'm not either. Um, I think their championship reign is, uh, is coming to an end this year. Yeah. Possibly in the first round. I mean, Phoenix looked really good against it, them.
0: Especially since LeBron almost had his arm totally ripped off. Don't know how he's going to recover from that.
1: It doesn't matter, you know. I mean, he's going to go out and violate the safety (laughs) protocols and whatever.
0: Oh, (laughs) I was already not, you know, planning on watching Space Jam 2 because I'm that much of a Jordan fan that I'm just not going to taint the legacy of Space Jam, of watching and contributing to Space Jam 2. But if his acting is as bad as his acting is on the court, I'm definitely not watching it.
1: (laughs) I wasn't planning on watching. I'm sure my wife will watch it, watch it with her her class next
0: year. If anybody in my family shows my son Space Jam 2, they are forbidden from seeing my son again.
1: What what if they show Space Jam 1 first just to, you know, kind of – like, here's, here's the original, and then here's the new one.
0: No, no, no. In his world, there's only ever one Space Jam.
1: Space Jam 2 doesn't exist. <laughs> That's harsh. That's harsh.
0: <laughs> All right. Um, anything you want to throw out there as we wrap it
1: up? No, I just think, what, we got a game Wednesday, Saturday, and Monday? Is that yep. correct? Yep. What are you thinking? Uh, We we discussed beforehand. We're going to record the next one after Game Four. Where do you see the series sitting?
0: I'm I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say the Grizzlies will be up three one when we record next week. They're going to win tomorrow. They're going to win Wednesday night in Utah, and they're going to split at home.
1: I think it's going to be two two. I think Utah gets the next two, and I think the Grizzlies get Memorial Day uh, at the Grindhouse.
0: Are you going to go to the groundhouse house for either one of the games?
1: I am not. I wanted to, but we went out of town this past weekend, and uh, we had the kid with the with the in laws, and we're just kind of like, oh, we can't be doing that every weekend. Sure, New baby.
0: You that's what that's what the grandparents are for, man.
1: <sighs> you tell that to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get on Twitter and let her know. <laughs> yeah, we, we we actually we discuss it, and we really want to go, but I think if the Grizzlies, uh, maybe game six. We've, we've talked about possibly going to game six if uh, if they do extend it to that. So, we're just not going to go to these first two.
0: Yeah, we're, we're going to be in town this weekend. Um, so, Saturday night, if we can get decent price on tickets, we may go. Or we may find a watch party um, and and go hang out at a watch party. It looks like the ones at the drive through movie or drive-in uh, seem to be, like, a lot of fun. So, we may uh, go yeah. check that out. So Ben says two and two, I say three and one. I honestly would say take the spread on every game in favor of the Grizzlies. I think they're going to, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the NBA this season against the spread. Um, So that's probably a safe bet. Um, Enjoy it. This is something that, you know, other teams have been dying for for decades and we've only missed four seasons uh, of, of playoff basketball and we have a fun team. So, until next week, enjoy your, your Grizzlies basketball. And uh, if you can be at the forum, be there, root the team on. They've upped the attendance to, I think, 55% now. Uh, yeah. I, I know they're requesting that they up it some more. Um, before then, uh, we'll, we'll see. It looked like, the, looked like Madison Square Garden was at freaking full capacity uh, the other night. And if New York's at full capacity, there's no reason that we shouldn't be.
1: That was a great, great atmosphere at the Garden.
0: It was. I'm pulling for those Knicks, partly because I hate the Hawks, but uh <laughs> Man,
1: awesome. I wanted that Randall shot to go in just to see that place explode. Like yes. that would have been awesome, but didn't work out.
0: Instead yeah. we had to see the sucker with hair stuck on it <laughs> walk <laughs> off <laughs> hushing the crowd. <laughs> All right. For Ben, I'm Justin. We'll catch you guys next week.